This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Do that. I want all of us to stand together and I want us to turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And if you or your child is being baptized, if you can just go right now to the back to check in with our baptism team, you can check in with them so they know that you're here and that they know that you've done the different qualifiers needed. Our elders have decided that we want to make sure there's a mechanism uh, that those who are being baptized understand the gospel. Because we don't, want, we don't want water baptism just to be some kind of cultural recognition. We want it to be a biblical response. And so we want to make sure everyone who is being baptized in water kind of understands what the Bible says about that. It's not what saves us, but it's the first step of obedience after we're saved. So feel free uh, at this time, check in with our water baptism team. If you're a parent or guardian, make sure you're checking in with them. Uh, before I went on vacation, I started a series called God is First. God is First. And that's what we're going to conclude today. And there's no better thing to uh, evaluate than what our priorities are with uh, Jesus and where he should be in our lives. Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 31. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock. Because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray together. God, as we... We uh, look at your scriptures today. Thank you, it's going to change our lives because my opinion doesn't matter and Aaron's perspective is not what changes lives, but the word of God is what transforms us. I thank you for the richness of scripture and that you chose to pass down uh, the words that came through Jesus as it is our life, our standard, and help us today. Help us to seek the kingdom first. Help us to seek the kingdom of God and give God the attention that he deserves. Jesus, you deserve everything. And we love you and we thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Man, you may be seated. Our key verse today is Luke 12, 31. It says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. In other gospels, One of the other gospels and also in other translations, it says it more implicitly, seek his kingdom first and these things will be provided for you. I'm so happy today that that I get to challenge you and I get to remind you today that Jesus should be our ultimate priority. Jesus should be number one because no one else compares to him. I know this is a simple message, I know this is a message that we feel like we could have taught or we could have given, but it's a much more difficult, a much more difficult message to live than it is to preach or to teach. Jesus is number one. Jesus deserves our praise. Do you want to know what our problem is? Do you want to know why Jesus is not the priority he should be? Here's the reason why. We all struggle with something. We struggle with something called options. And we have lots of options. We have options to entertain us. We are among the 
economically elite people of this world. I know that sometimes it feels like we're paycheck to paycheck, but most of us, and I would dare say it's possible that all of us have adequate shelter, adequate food. We have disposable time with with which we can make choices on, on how we spend that time. That puts us among the elite that have ever existed in this world. We're among the elite that we have the ability to create our future because God has given us that ability. And we have ability to have choices. And those choices, the very things that we think give us freedom. We think, well, I have all these options. I have all these choices. The very thing that gives us freedom in our minds can also be the thing that imprisons us and captivates us. Because when we have options, then we don't put Jesus where he belongs. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to remind you of something today. Jesus is not a choice. Jesus is not a preference. Jesus is not just our weekend friend. Jesus is not an option that we can conveniently bring into our lives when we feel like it. Jesus is not something that we just acknowledge when it benefits us. Or he is not someone we acknowledge when it benefits us. And I want to tell you this, not to try to get you to do something. And not to make you feel guilty as we all ought to just be better Christians. No, it's much more than that. I tell you that Jesus is not a choice. Jesus is not a menu option. Not because I want to control your behavior or make you do something. I tell you this is because the essence of who Jesus is demands that. Jesus is is incomparable. Jesus is greater than our greatest dreams and aspirations and our greatest accomplishments. Jesus is higher. Jesus is more powerful. Jesus is set apart. Nobody, no one, nothing compares to Jesus. He's above every kingdom, every authority, every power, every dominion. There is no one and nothing that compares to him. So we put Jesus first, not out of guilt, not out of obligation, not to be part of a program or to be part of a church. We put Jesus Jesus first because no one compares to him. He is matchless and he is the priority. And so when the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God, the essence of who Jesus is demands that. He demands that we, who he is, the essence of who he is, he deserves to be number one. He deserves to be everything. So in your notes today, I want us to look at an alternative way to live that Jesus has given us. See, Jesus said in verse 31, seek my kingdom and these things will be provided for you. Well, what was he talking about? I suppose we could make quite a list through the scripture. We could go different places in the Bible and make a good, accurate list of the things Jesus would, call, would want us to do to seek him first. But I think we can look before verse 31 and in the scriptures that precede it to get a more contextual idea exactly what Jesus was talking about. And I want you to see this, that seeking the kingdom is a countermeasure. It's an antidote. Seeking the kingdom is a better way to live. Seeking the kingdom first is the countermeasure to some specific things that Jesus has said today. Here's the first thing is this, number one. Seeking the kingdom first is a countermeasure, and you can take notes on this in, in, in the review, for an obsession with hoarding. An obsession with hoarding. Now I hear there's some TV show about hoarding, and 
I have not seen it, nor do I want to, because just the thought of that would drive me crazy. But we, we have a tendency in life to hold on to possessions way too long. And this can be a personality. All of our personalities may do this at different measures, but all of us hoard something. All of us hold something too long. All of us hold something too tightly. And go back to verse 15 of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 15. Then he told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. How many know this is a message for our culture, isn't it? You know, we, we are not defined by where we live, what we drive, what we wear, what the numbers look like in our retirement account. We are God's people. We are God's children. Those are not things that define us. We can be aware of those, and they are a measuring stick of some things, but they are not what define us. In verse 16, he told them a parable. A parable was a story with a lesson. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. This idea of hoarding what we have. And I, I wanna be clear today, this is not a message just about money today. In fact, we're not really gonna focus on that at all. That's immediately what our mind thinks. But I want you to write this in your blank. Here's the first area that we hoard. And it does include money, but it's more than that. It's resources. So it doesn't always mean our money, but just what we have, our very resources, our homes, our vehicles, our ability to make an income. We incorrectly believe because of our personal sacrifice, whether it be through our education or through starting a business or through paying a price through our company or through just true grit and hard work, we think that our resources belong to us. But a Christian worldview reminds us all of our resources are God's. Our, our homes are, belong to God. Our cars belong to God. Everything we have is God's. Everything we have is his. And this is such a better way to live because we realize that our resources are not our own. They belong to him. They belong to him. But it's not just stuff because we immediately think of stuff. It's also our friendships and our relationships. It's also the power we have or the authority we have in our life or our influence or our position in the company or in the school or in the church. All of these things are God's. None of them belong to us. We may be able to measure, I took this step and this step and this step to get here, but it's God who allowed us to get there. And with humility, we need to live with this idea, this Jesus-centered idea, this God-inspired idea that everything is his. We seek first the kingdom and this pushes back against the tendency to hoard, the, the obsession that we're gonna run out. 
we're gonna run out of influence. We're gonna run out of friends. We're gonna run out of resources. We're gonna run out of opportunity. We're gonna run out of years. We're gonna run out of time. These are all thoughts that come from the worldly view. But when our lives belong to God, we just know this is that he has a plan and every step is a step with purpose and every step is a step with meaning and every step is part of his plan and we're part of something bigger than what we can see. We're part of this kaleidoscope that we're just one little jewel. We're we're just one little part and it's a beautiful picture that says Jesus. I love this quote by Henry Nouwen that helped me think along these lines and you can read it with me. It says this, as fearful people, we're inclined to develop a mindset that makes us say, There's not enough food for everyone, so I better be sure I have enough for myself in case of emergency. Or there's not enough knowledge for everyone to enjoy, so I better keep my knowledge to myself so no one else will use it. Or there's not enough love to give to everybody, so I better keep my friends for myself to prevent others from taking them away from me. Now look at this, this is a scarcity mentality. I want you to see that a a scarcity mentality is not just about money. It's about other things too. All of our resources, all of our relationships, all of our influence. Now look at this statement. It involves hoarding whatever we have, fearful that we won't have enough to survive. And this last sentence is key. The tragedy, however, is what you cling to ends up rotting in your hands. Isn't that true? Have you ever held on to relationship when God wanted you to let it go. And what happens is codependency, abuse, just that mess when we're trying, we're so scared of relationship, we don't give it to God. And then the relationship that's supposed to produce life produces death within us. If you held on to something too long, it rots in your hands. Instead, it's God's, we release it to God. We give it to God. We give our resources to God. We, we give our relationships to God. And here's something else that we tend to hoard that we need to give to God, our time. That's your next blank to fill in if you're taking notes, our time. Some of us have adequate resources right now. We're comfortable with our rent or our mortgage. We're comfortable with our vehicles. We have enough money in the bank for food. And so we're pretty good on the resource side. We're pretty good on the basic needs of life. And so what do we hoard? We hoard our time. In fact, sometimes we're we're generous with our donations as if we're giving God a tip so then we don't have to give God our time. For some of us, we need to see the quantity of time, which is so valuable, just as meaningful as the resources that we have. And that We may give God other areas, but when we don't give God our time, we're holding part of our heart that he wants because time is valuable and time is significant and time means something. And so it is that our time belongs to the Lord. So we should not withhold that from the Lord. We should not withhold that wrongly and say, it's my time. I've invested, I've worked hard, it's my time. I haven't worked, I've, I've, I've come to the point in life where I have disposable money and I have disposable time. So it's mine now, Lord, it's mine. I deserve this. God wants you to enjoy your life and have entertainment and pleasure, but 
he doesn't want you to own your time because your time belongs to him. He's the one in charge. He's the one that owns everything. And even our time, we should submit that to the Lord. My friend, Chris Taylor, he's a great family man. He loves his wife, loves his kids. He's been a leader here at the church. And he told me this story and he gave me permission to share with you. A few years ago, he was being offered promotions at his job and he was turning them down under the guise of, well, I'm a family person and I just don't wanna, I don't wanna take time away from my wife and kids. And I even encouraged him in that. I was like, what a great example, Chris. But here was the only catch. Chris, to his own admission, wasn't seeking the Lord. He wasn't seeking the Lord and he wasn't asking God what God wanted. And in this particular case, in Chris's particular case, it's not, this won't be the, the formula for all of you, but in his particular case, the Lord wanted him to take a promotion to advance for kingdom purposes. And he lost some opportunities, but the Lord, as he does, has redeemed those opportunities. And now he's a public servant, a politician in our county. And him being willing to give his time to the Lord, not only has his family been blessed, but our community has been blessed. The point is this, we don't own our time. God owns our time. Here's another area that we hoard and we don't often realize it, is in energy, write it down. Our energy, we are self-energy conservationists. And we're so scared of running out with our energy. And especially when it comes to the things of the Lord and to the kingdom of God. We don't wanna get tired, we don't wanna get fatigued, We don't want to get worn out. We don't want to get burned out. And so we just kind of withhold our volunteer hours at the church or we don't take time to reach out to our neighbors. We don't take time to walk next door or walk across the street and serve our community or we don't take time to uh, participate in a conversation that causes us to give energy. And we just say, I don't have the energy to engage. And I think that this is a way we hoard that we often don't see We're holding back who we are because we're scared that there's not gonna be enough energy at the end. And I understand principles of management are good, but I want you to realize as a son and daughter of God that we are to spend ourselves for the Lord. And when we spend ourselves for the Lord, he's promised that when our strength ends, his strength begins. Paul, he's made this very clear in 1 Corinthians 12 when he talked about the fact that In my weakness, then I am made strong. In my weakness, then I am made strong. We are people that as we live, ready to spend ourselves for the Lord, on the other end of us spending our energy for the Lord, there's an impartation. There's an empowering from his presence. There is nothing that feels better than being tired because you're serving God. I'm telling you, giving yourself, spending yourself for Jesus giving your best effort to the things of God, going the extra mile for somebody else because it's okay, I can lose some energy and I can be a little tired and I can be fatigued if someone has been pulled out of darkness and they're in light, if someone has had an eternity without God and now they have an eternity with God. How many know it's worth the effort? Jesus is worth the effort. Jesus is worth the sacrifice. Jesus is worth any hard work that we give. For the last 35 years, we've been introduced to this term term burnout. I think Dick Vermeil, who was the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, made this popular in 1980 when here he was in his 30s. And he said, you know, I'm retiring at the pinnacle of my career. 
because I'm burnt out. Obviously, management skills and, and all of the balanced things we need to do, part of, part of that is observing the Sabbath. All of those things are important. But there's another leader from a different generation. His name is J. Oswald Sanders, and he was a pastor in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And he had a whole different perspective to those of us who are tired of being tired, are scared of getting weary serving the Lord. Sanders said this, if a Christian is not willing to rise early and work late, to expend greater effort in diligent study and faithful work, that person will not change a generation. Fatigue is the price of leadership. Mediocrity is a result of never getting tired. It's another perspective, isn't it, in this modern age? It's okay to get tired for Jesus. It's okay to get worn out for Jesus. And he will empower us. And he will give us the strength we need. And we don't have to hoard our energy because Jesus is going to empower us. And when we follow his word and follow his ways. You know, we go and we don't really mind when we get tired from shopping. You know, when we go to a Titans game, which those things are tiring. And you got to get there early, walk across the pedestrian bridge if you don't want to pay $50 for parking. If you're like me, I sit in a cheap seat, so I have to walk all the way up. Then I sit in the elements and watch this football. And by the time I'm home, I'm tired. Mowing the yard is tiring. But I never hear people say, I'm so bitter at the football stadium. I'm so angry at my yard. The shopping mall has hurt me. We don't mind that, but to the church, we're like, the church has made me tired. The church has made me fatigued. What better thing to be tired for? These other things, these other elements, they they bring us temporary joy. But the things of God bring us eternal reward. And I love you guys. I'm not trying to call you to an unbalanced life. You've heard plenty of sermons, I hope, from me about Sabbath and rest and rhythm and process and all those things. I just want to push back against the spiritual whining. Let's quit being whiners and start being workers. Let's get busy about the Lord's work. John 9, 4, Jesus said this, we must do the work of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. So let's do our best for the Lord. Here's the second point today. Here is the antidote, the pushback, the countermeasure to a life that the seeking the kingdom of God pushes back against what I'm about to tell you is the striving and anxiety over daily needs. The striving and anxiety over daily needs. Some of us were not able to be everything God wants us to be because every day is so stressful and we're, we're just full of anxiety and we're full of worry and we're wondering how we're gonna get to the next paycheck and the next place. And there's a lot that goes into that. And there's a lot of factors that I won't address today as far as budgeting and spending less than you make and some of those things that we cover in financial peace. But I wanna talk to you about more of an attitude of the heart because some people have plenty of resources. 
and they have plenty of disposable time and they have adequate energy and they're still living in unwarranted anxiety. They're still living in fear. And for those people, this is a relationship thing. This is a faith issue. Instead of fear, God wants you to have faith. So we go to verse 22 of Luke 12. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or about the body, what you will wear, for life is more important than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth more than the birds? And yes, you are. I just want to tell you that. All of you guys are worth more than the birds. 25. Can any of you add a cubit to his height by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today, is thrown in the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you? You of little faith. Don't keep striving for what you should eat and what you should drink and don't be anxious for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things. Now look at this last line. And your father knows that you need them. Parents, I want you to hear this. The father knows what your kids need. I know this month is stressful with school fees and sports fees and everybody wants new shoes and new clothes and the father knows what your kids need. And I just wanna encourage you this. If you're not able to provide everything your kid wants right now, God knows what they need and he's gonna provide for you. So don't despair, don't despair. Whatever circumstance you're in, God's gonna use it for your kids and he's gonna have you walk in wisdom and you watch, you watch miracles take place when you trust God. When you trust God, you watch miracles take place. And when the miracle doesn't take place, you watch God, God do something powerful in your kids by giving them the character they need. Some of you, your kids may have the, a billion dollar shoe company someday if you just don't buy them shoes when they want one so they can figure out how those things function after three months. I hope that made sense. That was not in my notes. So Beth says it didn't make sense, did it? Okay, kind of. The point is this, is our loving father cares. He cares, he cares, he cares. So a scripture that I can read dozens of times a day, and it always helps me, is out of Philippians chapter four. It says this. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do we ever get tired of reading that or do we ever not need to read that scripture? No. And this is what happens. The peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Luke 12, 31 said, seek his kingdom and then all of these things will be added to you. What I believe, you're not gonna be a person who hoards your time you're not gonna be a person who hoards your energy. You're not gonna hoard your relationships. You're not gonna hoard your resources, but you're gonna live with a confidence in your father that your daily needs are gonna be met. He's gonna take away the striving, take away the anxiety, take away uh, all of the things that keep you from thinking about your spiritual life. 
Guys, when we begin to have our daily needs, we're not living day to day, then we can begin to serve others. When we're not living in this mindset of fear, we're not living in this mindset of, of scarcity. We're not living in this mindset to say, we're gonna run out of friends, we're gonna run out of opportunities, we're gonna run out of jobs, we're gonna run out of uh, resources, we're gonna run out of time, we're gonna run out of energy. And, and we, we are trying to manage all this ourselves. Instead, we say, I'm following the Lord, I'm walking in his presence, I'm walking in his holiness, I'm being led by the spirit of God, I'm a person of the Bible, I'm a person of worship, I'm a person who attends church, I'm a person who gives whatever God wants me to give, when he wants me to give it, how he wants me to give it, and the spirit he wants me to give it. I am not my own. I belong to him. Isn't that a better way to live? And that's the way Jesus said, it's here for you. I know many of you have been living this way and God wants to encourage you today. Some of you, God wanted to take these scriptures from Luke chapter 12 and he's putting it in your face right now and it's a mirror and you're like, whoa, I'm not living that way. And it's a mirror in front of you and God says, now my spirit is here to help you and I'm going to teach you. The Holy Spirit's your teacher. The Holy Spirit's your teacher and he'll begin to teach you every day how to apply God's word, how to apply God's principles, how to be God's man and God's woman. Would you join me in prayer right now? Father, I thank you for the power of your scripture. Lord, I pray that the scripture would begin to work in hearts in ways that human wisdom cannot work. God, I could have constructed, Lord, the best speech possible. I could have delivered it with flawless uh, execution and not misspoken a word or not mispronounced anything and had the uh, most clever illustrations. And God, if it wasn't your word, it wouldn't change lives. So I rest in your word right now. And I just pray that the power of your words beginning to soften hearts right now. Listen, the, the enemy wants to steal the seed from you right now, but God's dealing with you right now. And whatever God's dealing with you right now, don't let it go. Don't let it go. He is calling you to respond to the scripture. And I know this is I could come and I could begin to list hypothetical situations and it would apply to this person, that person, the other person, but that's not as powerful as the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. And the Holy Spirit's speaking his word to you right now and he's causing his word to be life to you. And so whatever it is, whether you're dealing with anxiety, whether you're dealing with just slothfulness, kind of a laziness, uh, kind of a selfishness, whatever it is, God wants to deal with that right now. Some of you are dealing with a worry and, and, and a, a, a unwarranted worry. And the Lord has said, I want the earth to be an example to you. I want you to hear this. The earth is an example to you. The power of man cannot control the, the sun. We cannot control the weather. We cannot control the rhythms and the seasons. Man is baffled by the seasons. Man is ba baffled uh, when the weather elements don't cooperate with the certain patterns we've seen in the past because man is not in control. God is in control. God is in control of nature. And, and those are a sign to you that he's in control of your life. He's in control of your life. He's not gonna forsake you. You're not just a bird. You're a son. You're not just a bird, you're a daughter. You're not just a weed that pops up today and is gone tomorrow. You are one who has the inheritance of the Lord on you. You've been chosen by God. You've been marked by God. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. He designed your very DNA. You're not here today, gone tomorrow. Through Jesus, you have an eternity with him. That starts when you, when eternal life starts a salvation. God is looking after you. God is looking after your situation. God is is mindful of your needs and the Father's gonna come through for your needs. He's gonna do that. So God, I pray for my friends today. 
I pray that you strengthen their faith. You strengthen their resolve. That God, they would have a Jesus focus in their life that's unlike any other focus that they've ever had. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for doing that. Can we stand together? Can we stand together? We're gonna worship the Lord. We're gonna respond to this message today. Pastor Chip and Galo are gonna go in the back there. And Pastor Deborah, if she's not ministering elsewhere in the building right now and other prayer partners. And if you just have a need in your life, our prayer partners will be kind of that back wall. I'll be down here. For, uh, for a few minutes and, and we wanna just pray with you. Communion's open. If you wanna take communion, what a better way to center yourself on Jesus and just say, hey, Jesus is first. And I won't give further instructions on communion. You can eat the bread and drink the cup when your heart is ready. You don't have to be a member of this church, but make sure that you repent of any sin and, and you're right with the Lord. And as Beth leads us in worship, we'll worship for just a few minutes and then. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church of Indian Lake.